I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I love that there's, I think it's a quote somewhere where someone was like, technically the bee shouldn't be able to fly, but it does it anyway because it doesn't know that it shouldn't be able to or something like Uh, that. And I respect that. Is it Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, it's Bee Movie. No, beat me. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ruby Innes and welcome to Pocket Buds, a back pocket podcast where I talk to my best buds about video games and stuff. Today, we're talking about death. Well, that's a bit morbid, isn't it? To be specific, we're talking about death in video games. The video game world is no stranger to the topic of death. In fact, it's a must-have feature for quite a lot of them. I'm sure any one of you listening would be able to remember a particularly infuriating time you've died in a video game. I'll go first. When I played Paper Mario 64 on the Nintendo Switch Online service, I had a multiple hour play session where I foolishly wasn't saving as much as I should have. I found myself face to face with a pretty tough mini boss. I decided to use Watt as my sidekick. He's the little electricity guy. But alas, I died. A very old bug managed to stay in the American version of the emulated game. And that ended up crashing my entire game, resulting in me losing hours of progress. That is one death I'll never forget, and I actually haven't gone back to that game since. But that's just dying in a game. How about death as a game mechanic? As a punishment? As a concept? An idea? What about the actual man of the hour? Death as a guy? Death has basically always existed in video games, being a dying of dysentery in the Oregon Trail, all the way to accidentally diving headfirst into the ground in Breath of the Wild. Both are noble ways to go. But is there a way to do death right in games? Can it be done accurately or respectfully? Does it need to be either of those things? 
If you die in a video game, do you die in real life? These are all questions that may or may not be answered in the next few minutes. I've played a lot of video games about death. I've died a lot in games, and I've also played a few games where I am death, destroyer of worlds, so I think I've got a good idea of what it's all about. Unfortunately, my only blind spot in the topic is that I've never actually died in real life before, but that's a task for much, much later in my life. I also have the pleasure of being joined by someone who's also done all of those things, except for that last one, of course, and also happens to have her very own newsletter all about the topic of death. Joining me to chat today is award-winning journalist and my good friend, Steph Panacasio. Hello, Steph. How are you today? Hello. I am good. How are you? Yeah, good. Just kind of, I was about to say, just tired. (laughs) What a terrible way to start a podcast. Yeah, for like shit. Yeah, look, I mean, just creeping to the weekend. Oh, yeah. TGIF, by the way. Mm, Absolutely. And now we get to have spooky bitch hours. So I know. And it's so funny because the last episode, which um, was with Chantal Ryan, was also a spooky episode. And I feel like I'm starting to do like a little bit of a pattern like like not all of the episodes are <laughs> gonna be spooky i would i would argue that uh this episode probably isn't even that spooky because like i mean look de- death is scary sp- spooky is a frame of mind so yeah, yeah. death yeah. can be scary death is also not scary death happens anyway even if you're scared of it or not so it's just a part of life sure is it's just nature you know nature doing its work i'm terrified of it I'm terrified of death, actually. Are you really? And it's so fu- oh, so scared. So scared. One, because I think it's going to happen to me all the time. And two, <laughs> uh, because I'm too busy. Yeah, if it could just wait until the opportune moment, that would be, yeah. that would be great. Absolutely. Like, like I'm like, you know what? If, if it happens when I'm, like, old and done, so fair, hmm. so fine. Yeah. But, oh, like... Look, I mean, I'm, I'm similar. For someone who makes a lot of jokes of like, uh-huh, kill me. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> not be good. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm moving right now. And uh, actually by the time that this comes out, I'll be in my new place. But like right now in the, the moving uh, uh, time, I want to die. But I, do I actually want to <laughs> but- die? Mm. Not really. Yeah. Plus then you've got so much shit that you haven't unpacked. Like it would be oh really God, inconvenient. Yeah. It'd be Just put you so in one of the boxes. Mm. Yeah. Or, or just like smush myself under one of them, but then yeah. like it just it just it like if I die, then who's gonna unpack my boxes <laughs> and pay my rent? You know, yeah, so it's true. it's a quite a funny thing. And speaking of death, uh, so you do a uh, newsletter called Tell the Bees, is that right? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, and so it's about death. It is. It doesn't sound like it from the whole bees element, but it is very much related to and encompassing all things about death. Well, uh, where does the tell the bees kind of title come from? Is that is that uh, something like a motif related to death? Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's folkloric in origin and basically. The folklore is that a long, long time ago, people would, whenever there was like a birth or a death or a marriage even, they would keep the bees in the loop because as we all know, bees are notorious gossips and they want to know everything that's going on. Um, But when it came to death, if you didn't tell the bees about it, you would have shit bees. They would be... uh, be, uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They would would get shit honey. 
they would not produce. It would be like a curse kind of thing. So you always had to keep the bees in the loop. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. Yeah, like I guess, yeah, like, sure. you know, for a society very reliant on honey, like yeah, it makes bees sense. are important, man. Like, but bees are important to everything. Around. Yeah, exactly. They, they they keep the world alive. Mm. So anybody who's allergic to bees, um, honestly, like fuck you for being right? so intolerant because uh, bees, we need them. It's hateful. And I I really love bees in general and I've always wanted to get a bee tattoo, but I've never actually been stung and it would be the funniest thing if I got the tattoo and then it turned out I was deathly allergic. I've never been stung either. Yeah, can you imagine? Like I it mean, would it would be We're a friends bit to funny. the bees. They're not going to sting yeah. us. They have they sense the vibe. I was in um Croatia a number of years ago uh on an on an island in Croatia and uh, on this island, there were bumblebees, and I had never seen bumblebees before because we don't have them in Australia. And I remember just fawning over them <laughs> because they, they, they was they were so big, but they were so fluffy and yeah. so cute. And I just this how how do they exist? How do these cute little <laughs> creatures exist because i hate bugs i'm so scared of bugs so it's like Me too. i see bumblebees and i'm like you're not a bug you're like a little a little friend to me <laughs> <laughs> i love that there's um there's i think it's a quote somewhere where someone was like technically the bee shouldn't be able to fly but it does it anyway because it doesn't know that it shouldn't be able to or something like uh, that and i respect that is it hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy no Maybe. it's bee movie no bee movie <laughs> You like jazz? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's B movie. That is it's literally B -movie. how B movie starts. Fuck! <laughs> how profound! Oh man, a classic oh. of the genre. <laughs> of course, of course. Mm. Of all the B movies, B movie stands out as the most B movie. You know? Yeah, it's as B as it gets. It really is. But uh. <laughs> Outside of bees, uh, mm. your user letter is about death and it's all about death, in fact. So so where did your fascination with the topic of death kind of start? Well, I was very fortunate in that I didn't really experience a lot of death firsthand when I was growing up. I, I still have most of my grandparents and I didn't really have lots of personal experience. But the first actual personal experience that I had was our family cockatiel and I remembered going home from school and I was the only person there and unfortunately the poor thing RIP had cocked it and it was lying oh. at the bottom of the cage and it was my first experience seeing anything like that that wasn't on film or like a exaggerated cartoony kind of version of it. And yeah. I remember like freaking the hell out because I was thinking, what the hell am I going to do? I don't want to touch it. I don't want to do anything mm. about that. And I had a conversation with my parents about it and they were like, look, this is what happens. This is, it's, it's going to be something that you will deal with a lot. And that kind of like itched the part of my brain that's like, okay, we're going to think about this for the rest of our lives. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> I'm going to deal with this all the time. Okay. I need to know everything about it. So I, I began looking into it a little bit more. And when I was older, I read a book by Caitlin Dowdy. 
I doubt he Dodie. I've never actually said her name out loud. Sorry, Caitlin. You're the best. Is I it, love you. Is it like a D-O-H? D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Doty? Doughty? Doughty. Doughty. Sounds yeah. right. And uh, it was her autobiography, which is called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Tales of the Crematorium, which Ooh. was fascinating to me. And I ate that shit up and I, it became my <laughs> entire personality very, very quickly. And I, I started like building a collection of creepy death books. And I, for a brief moment, I was like, I could be a mortuary science person I could learn about that sort of stuff but then I realized you needed to know chemistry and maths and that immediately ruled me out so I then was like okay well I want to learn about it in a more cultural and sociological sense and I just read as much as I could about it and now I have like a whole bank of weird death knowledge that was sitting there going to waste in my brain and I figured I'd get it out because a lot of people don't really talk about it and if they do they're freaked out and it's considered a really taboo subject and I've always liked especially through my work being able to destigmatize I suppose those sorts of conversations because especially with something like death it is healthier to have the conversations yeah oh no that's totally right I feel like I feel like if I talked about death more often I probably wouldn't be as scared of it I think mm. I'm just like it it comes from paranoia I'll be real but that, that is it is very interesting isn't it because I mean there's uh, oh, what's the saying? There's only two uh, confirmed things in life. And it's death oh, and yeah. taxes. Is that right? Yeah. It's not right, but it's close, right? It's two inevitabilities. There we go. Mm. Uh, and I would argue that death is the only one that is inevitable because there was a point where taxes didn't exist. So hmm. true. Got them, you know? Yeah. I mean, Got their ass. more full to that guy who said that. Yeah, what an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, of course, this is a video game podcast, if not like a video game adjacent podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, squeezing and squelching the topic of death into the video game world as much as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we start with, have you ever died in a video game? Absolutely, I've died in a video game. I'm very good at dying in video games. In fact, I say it's a special skill. <laughs> I would, I would say the same of me. Uh, hmm. And it's, it's. I think a funny thing with being a woman in the video <laughs> okay. game world. Uh, well, first off, <laughs> like, being a woman. This could go anywhere. Absolutely, it could. It could. Uh, but a woman in the video game world is, um, like, this, this kind of innate need to prove yourself um mm. and I've kind of fallen comfortably into the fact that like you know I I, I play games and I'm a girl but I'm not good at them and I'm not going to pretend like I am ever and you don't have to you can I just enjoy it that's the point if they're fun am mm. I good at them no do I win no sometimes, sometimes. I am good at them and then I'll immediately make it everyone's business, you know, but <laughs> I do die a lot. I die mm. a hell of a lot. That's that, you know, that's dying in a video game. We've both experienced yeah. dying in video games. Uh, but then there's the, the topic of de uh, games that kind of handle death as a topic. Mm. Right. So uh, I've got a few. Than you think. Th there are so many. 
There are so, so many. And there are some that are quite well known and then some that aren't super well known. And like I uh I think I've played enough that I have a good sense of like when it's done right. Mm. Kind of, I think. <laughs> like I played I played Spirit Pharaoh, right? Oh, I love that game. And I thought it was a really, really beautifully done kind of representation of moving on. Mm. And oh god, it I feel like hard. it is probably one of the best depictions of acceptance for that. Mm. And also just, I mean, the layers in it. It's stunning. Oh man, a, a visually very beautiful game, mm. and then and then emotionally very beautiful as well. It's amazing, and then and then there's before your eyes, and I think before your eyes does a great job because it doesn't just deal with death uh, in in a very good way, but it also deals with life in such a beautiful way. Mm. Um, and I think that coming hand in hand is what makes both of them thrive you know yeah uh i i remember playing that game for the first time and uh not fully understanding um what was going on and like that that like my I, I was like trying to keep my eyes open and move stuff around because i was i was doing it with the webcam right oh yeah and i was like <laughs> like like holding my <laughs> eyes open um because I didn't want I didn't want my life to go by too quickly. Mm. But God, that's beautiful, right? Just the ideas behind it and how they come to be is just oh, it's so creative that it makes me almost angry because it's just <laughs> like I couldn't do anything like that. It's so beautiful and I'm so glad that they did, but also, you know, a little bit of rage. At just how oh, yeah. it's like when you you see something really cute and you want to squish it it's that same instinct of like this is so good i'm so angry oh yeah and it's just like such like a a, a novel idea mm. as well like like yeah. taking the oh taking that the the literal phrase of like your whole life flashes before your eyes right mm. and life comes at you fast you know yeah taking those and going like what if you went through life every stage of your life in just like a blink like that is mm. in the blink of an eye like that's so cool you know it's so cool. it's it's such an interesting mechanic absolutely and have you okay i feel like if anybody's gonna know this game it's gonna be you have you heard of little misfortune i haven't <gasps> oh am i gonna be introduced to something that's gonna change my life i feel like it i feel like it. Yeah. It's, it's a short game and it's okay. it's uh I quite liked it. So Little Misfortune is a, uh, uh, I, I think it's, you can call it a point and click adventure. You can like move around with the, the you know, arrow keys and the uh, joystick. Uh, I almost forgot what a joystick was for a <laughs> sec. Uh, you, you can move around like that, but it, it's, it feels like at its core, it's a point and click adventure, right? Mm. And you play as Little Misfortune who's this uh, players hard to say okay. hard to say if you play as her or if you just follow her right mm -hmm. um you play as little misfortune this very very sweet little girl who just seems to have the worst luck and bad things keep on happening to her uh but it's up to you to kind of lead her in the right direction 
and make sure, you know, she doesn't hurt herself and, and going in the wrong direction, doing wrong things, uh, kind of results in, in, in many different deaths for her. <laughs> so like you have to be real careful. Uh, but as well, she kind of, kind of goes through the game, uh, uh, coming face to face with different, uh, kind of representations of death that it's, it's quite an alarming game, but like oh. very good. I, it sounds so far up my alley. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. It's fantastic. Mm. I'm uh, literally going to add it to my list right now. No, so please do. Can. Because, uh, the end is fantastic as well. I, 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 you got to play it. This is okay. what I'm saying. You got to play it. Well, Little Misfortune is, is really fantastic. The rest of my evening is sorted. <laughs> easy and then i feel like you're definitely not going to have heard of this one okay because it's it's in my my list of browser games that i i like to collect i have a collection mm -hmm. of browser games sometimes on itch.io sometimes on uh you know new grounds and shit that i i just like to to have my little collection of and then tell people about them every now and then um mm. have you ever heard of goodbye doggy no, but it sounds like it's going to break my heart. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> oh you play as the ghost of a family dog oh. and you've just died. And so it is up to you to go around the house and, uh, do little, do little puzzle type, like, uh, one one thing leads to another type puzzle situation um, to essentially help your family uh, move on and 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 grieve and go through Aww. the process of grief um, and then ultimately come together and support each other after your death. Oh, and it's fucked up. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it takes like 15 minutes to play. And I think it was one of the best representations of of uh kind of ghosts and mm. and and the the death of a the death of a pet yeah i see i i don't get particularly overwhelmed nowadays if i see the death of like a human character because i'm i feel like especially in games we're so desensitized to mm. death because it's just it's not really death it's not unless it's a permadeath game it's yeah. really just a pause, if anything. Mm. But animals, man, that that would fuck me up. Ooh. Yeah, animals is hard. Mm. Animals is hard because it's like, you know, they don't know what's going on. They don't deserve that. They don't know. They don't know what's happening. It's it. <sighs> but <laughs> goodbye, doggy. Really nice because, like, it's just you flying around this like uh, uh cut down so like it's it's cut cut open um mm -hmm. so you can see the inside you can see all the rooms and you have to like uh help the mum do this or uh show the daughter this and and all of them kind of like uh uh better for the little actions mm. you make as a little ghost doggy it's oh. it's really nice um it's so, cute. so goodbye doggy that's a fantastic one and and it's funny cuz i feel like uh, death is a concept, not the death of a character, but death is a concept in video games. I feel like has always been done really well mm. by indie games, very yes. specifically. Yes. 
I 100% agree. I feel like as a kind of like thematic presence, death has always kind of found its home in the smaller niche areas. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like as, as we know, all of the big games have death in some capacity, but is it for the sake of having death or is it actually as a important element of the narrative and the and the structure of the game and indies are the ones that have the capacity to really delve into that so much more hey guys editor ruby here just a bit of a spoiler warning uh, this next part contains spoilers for red dead redemption 2 the last of us 2 telltale's walking dead and final fantasy 7 why absolutely like if you if you uh let's say hypothetically, go into the saddest deaths in video games lists of which there are millions and trillions so of many. because uh, let me tell you, SEO loves that shit. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, with, with them, they're all, they're all from big games because yeah. it's, it's, I feel like the saddest deaths in video games is like a joint experience. Everybody mm. remembers when this character dies or this character dies. It's, it's a joint experience, but it's all from the big games because I feel like it's what makes them the saddest is that so many mm. people experienced that, right? And so many yeah. people fell in love with that character and then watched them go. Especially because it's unexpected a lot of the time in the bigger ones. Mm. You, well, I mean, to a degree, you kind of expect that in a really dramatic moment, it's touch and go for some people, but if you're just playing along and then it really surprises you, which I find is a lot of the ones that dominate those lists, that's hard hitting. Oh yeah. I feel like, uh, like if we have a look at any of these, these lists, which I'm looking at now and a lot of them have, uh, uh, repetition, right? Yeah. Shocking. The, the, some of them seem to be very similar to one another. Wow, who'd have thunk mm, it? But wild. one that I think is very, uh, like I, I'd agree with that it is sad and shocking and also like not something that's done in video games a lot is mm. your character that you're playing dying at the end and that mm. being the plot. You die yeah. at the end and that is the end. Uh, and that's exactly what Red Dead Redemption 2 does with I the death of Arthur Morgan. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so what, it was tu tuberculosis. Is that right? Uh, Did you play Red Dead 2? I haven't played it all the way through, but I know what happens anyway because it's just, mm. I mean, my special interest. Um, but mm. I think, is it tuberculosis? <laughs> Maybe. I'm pretty sure. Why not? It's like, a, it's it's a like an old, old... Oh God, it's a rough way to go. <laughs> and it, it's a rough way to go. It's, but it's, it's not great. It's a cowboy's way to go, you know, I feel. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But that was really interesting because, like, yeah, it's it's the thing of you die in video games and that's mm. just kind of what happens, but you don't really die. You always come back. But the end of that game, and so I, I'm going to add a spoiler warning right there. Um, <laughs> but, <Whoops. the laughs> but like, I mean, it's been a while. Come it on. Has. We've it all has heard of it now. But It's uh, been on Twitter. Right. Or X or whatever the fuck it is now. I'll do a little spoiler warning anyway, but like it's 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 rare for a game to just be like you are dead, and mm. that's that is canon. Yeah, and they did it in. I'm trying to think of other games, Bioshock. The, the one that really got me emotionally, and it did that was Telltale's Walking Dead. <gasps> oh, that emotionally destroyed me for the longest time because I remember playing it for the first time while I was staying at somebody else's house and they had gone to sleep and I was playing it It was probably about like one o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting there sobbing in this other person's house and they're like and just sitting there after it happened after having to basically get Clementine to make this impossible choice it was just oh man I was ruined after that oh yeah it was <gasps> and and uh i think i think what what how what hit really hard with lee dying is like and the difference with arthur morgan and it's funny because didn't the first red dead do that too your character mm-hmm. dies at the end that's also am, am i right like i'm at pretty point, sure that's... Just, it's it's just a staple of the game <laughs> yeah i i mean dead's in the title so i guess it makes sense that they're they're just like and you're dead and that's the end of the game (laughs) the end (laughs) so long now roll credits (laughs) but with lee i i guess what was different about it was like yeah you played him the whole time but once you do die at the end uh you see someone actively mourning you and that's someone Mm. that's been around the whole time and you essentially gave your life for and being a uh, uh, kind of a part of of uh that whole sequence of Lee dying and Clementine mourning him mm. is rough. It's incredibly well done, but it's yeah. rough. And I feel like especially with that game, because you are so involved with the narrative choices, it is particularly personal feeling as well. Because mm. like you're the one that's gotten yourself there. Obviously the game is getting you there to the end, but because you're making decisions like that, it just feels like you are so much more responsible for what happens. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, and, but like, it doesn't feel like you've done anything wrong as well. It's kind of like a thing of like, oh, that's, that's what was supposed to happen. Like, like Telltale's Walking Dead is very much like your actions, uh, you know, decide everything you do. Like, like hmm. your choices matter, right? Um, hmm. But with the death of Lee, like that's just how it is. Like that's it's how it, it's inevitable. That is, yeah, just like death. Mm. Makes you think, you know. It happens to all of us at some point. Crazy. 
crazy how really, life works. we're all just constantly dying, just some of us more slowly than others, creeping exactly. towards death. And, you know, hurry up. No, don't actually. That's <laughs> no, no, that's no. wrong. <laughs> and and Unless, there, there no. Was, <laughs> <laughs> but then there was also, um, you know, deaths that people fucking hated and mm. and didn't uh didn't kind of believe at first um and i think the two big glaring ones there have to be Aerith yes. in final fantasy where people genuinely thought it was a a, a bit and that mm. she'd come back just a fake out a fake out and that didn't happen she she nope. dead like gone goodbye gone and last of us too yes definitely yeah. i that Last of Us was one of the games that I encouraged my dad to play when he first started getting into things as a 60-year-old retiree. Uh, and when he played through that sequence, he got so mad at me for not giving him a heads up for it because he was like, this is bullshit. I've spent this entire first game dealing with this. And he was also particularly unimpressed about the golf club element because he quite likes golf. And it's like, well, it's ruined it for me. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Ruined the game and golf. Golf's good name you has been golf. denigrated. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> God, that's good. Oh, man. See, I remember when everyone was getting mad about The Last of Us Part 2, mm. being like, why would they kill Joel? That's so fucked up. I was like, well, one, you don't play him anymore. And two... Like, they get to choose how the story goes. It's just a part of the yeah. story. It sucks. It's sad. Oh, it's sad. It's sad, but, but it's also narratively inevitable as well. It has yeah, to... I mean, for, for Ellie to be able to get to the point that she's at, it had to happen. And and what about all the nameless characters that, that, that appear in The Last of Us that died? Mm. That, you know, just got killed dead. That, you know, you, you don't care about. And it's like, nope. of course, it's because you build this love and appreciation for Joel through mm. his relationship with Ellie. I totally get that. But isn't his death just as inevitable as uh, the, the NPC? And I think The Last of Us Part Two also did that really well because when you attack somebody, when you kill somebody, their cronies mourn them. Yeah. Like they think cry. There's like a, I don't remember the name of it, but there is a kind of phenomenon where if you're dealing with a character that has a name, that is a named character, you will feel more for them than you will for nameless characters just by default. Because psychologically you have that, like, this is this person. They are an entire human being. They have, you know, wants and dreams and they have a favorite food and all of that kind of shit. So when you're going around and mindlessly, like, shooting people that have like essentially they're faceless as well as nameless because you're not going to mourn them as they go. But having the other people around them do that, even if you don't know their name beforehand, when they're mm. like crying out like, oh, Steve, no. Then you're like, oh, fuck, I killed Steve. What did I do that for? You're like, oh, my God. Oh, no, were they important? It's like even if they weren't, they it's had a, a name. Everyone's important. Steve everybody's is important. important. And I think uh, Last of Us 2 was one of the few games to kind of make that happen. Like, like yeah. When you kill somebody, you kill somebody. Like mm. it's not just like uh, uh, an NPC is gonna like walk up to them and then walk over them and spot you. It's <laughs> like I'm coming for you. No, it's yeah. it's 
they see this the dead body of their friend and it affects them. They're like, oh god, no! And like, I've, I've never seen that in a game before. I thought that was yeah. so cool, you know. It just it adds such an element of realism because, like, even if you are happening to be in a shootout uh, in the middle of the snow trying to save your life from zombies, which you know happens all the time, um, you still have that mental and emotional connection to the people that you're with. So it would be wild. And it is wild to consider the fact that so many games don't show that connection and are just like, well, this is bad guy one and bad guy two and they have no connection to each other ever. Yeah. Like, it's it's not realistic. No. And, you know, gamers want realism in their games. Absolutely they do. <laughs> Unless it's someone they like dying. Yeah. And and then when that happens, uh... it's a fake fake death. It's not, it's not real. real. He'll come back. <laughs> sure. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> now, there are so many ways to look at death in video mm. games, you know. Like, and I, I didn't think there were at first. And then oh, while so I was writing my little thingy for it, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, like, we can look at death as a game mechanic, for example. Mm -hmm. And it shows up in a lot of different games. But I think the two most interesting ways I'd like to talk about um, is roguelites. Mm -hmm. and uh, a very specific puzzle game. <laughs> a very, I was about to say puzzles, but I'm like, no, a very specific Just puzzle game. one specific one. One puzzle game. Because, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, you can talk about death as a concept, death as a character, which we'll get to later, uh, <laughs> death as, as a, 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 a motif in the story, um, as, as a story continuer, but death as a game mechanic is mm. such a huge part of roguelites and you've got that in in hades i think is a really fine example uh and i think it kind of gets away with it as well because you're you're a god right yeah. you're 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 a demigod a demigod is, is demigod. yeah yeah he's, so he's you don't the really son die of a god. yeah you're the son of a god so you don't really die but you do get sent right back home and home just I so really... happens to be the underworld. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, but you do get wrecked. <laughs> you do. You, you do, do get, you get wrecked. wrecked. And then you get sent back home to Papa, who's like, nice freaking try. Mm. Nice try. <laughs> you that never don't leave impress this me. place. Yeah, no. That don't impress me much. Mm -mm. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a cool thing of like death almost being like a reward. Or getting rewarded for death, which I find yeah. really fascinating. It is like, it's one of those things where, as I said, it's unless it's permadeath, you don't really see death represented properly. And in, in those particular games, it's always really interesting because it's it, it kind of helps you to get better and avoid death in future. So... I find it's also very similar with Elden Ring and basically just any Souls game because after you've done it once and you've died, you then have like better ability to strategize for different things. And with Hades, you have different weapons now, you have different capacity to, to target those things. So really the mm. game both incentivizes and decentivizes dying because you don't want to in the end but you do so that you can get to the point where you won't. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's, 
interesting as well because because like it's it's this thing of you know you don't get rewarded like fully it's 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 like a mm. very it's it almost makes it almost I guess desensitizes you to it because yeah. you have to keep on dying over and over and over like you don't have the option of just clearing it in one go like you have to die and you got to keep you're on like going really back good but yeah, I'm not but I don't so. believe that anybody is Can't and relate. I'm not no so yeah it's and if it's you are not, you're a liar yeah liar liar not real not real. That man is not real. I shouldn't make fun of her. She's she seems nice. Hope she's doing well. Hope she's okay. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think another one as well, which is really good, is vampire survivors, of course. I feel like yeah. that was a an insane phenomenon. Like people mm. went absolutely nuts over it, myself included. Because it did the roguelite thing so simply. Yeah. And like you die, but but boy, do you get so many rewards while you live <laughs> and then after you die. Ooh. Feels fantastic. And also vampires, just in general. Always a and winner also in my books. Vampires. Even though there weren't any vampires in the game, it was like vampire survivors. Hmm. I loved it. And uh so I mentioned this singular puzzle game. Uh, it's called Over My Dead Body. It's another browser game. It's another mm -hmm. browser game. Oh, and I got to mention, because, you know, I I, I don't want to be the person who, like, references something and then doesn't pay my dues, you know. So uh, Goodbye Doggy was made by Picogram. Mm -hmm. So shouts out. Picogram on Itch.io. You can find that game. It's really good. Uh, Over My Dead Body is a game done by Feature Creep. And uh, death is not the end when you're the subject of a cloning experiment gone wrong. Since the bodies of your previous clones remain after death, you can use them to reach new heights, literally, create safe passages, or shield yourself from bullets. Think of it as a twisted game of Tetris, except that blocks your own lifeless corpses. Good. I played this game randomly last year and thought it was so neat so neat because it's a pretty simple uh platformer but like you gotta die you have no mm. choice but to die because if you don't die then you can't get from a to b and i think so that you die strategically yeah you have to cho you have to choose the exact right place to die and you're given that mm. through you know obstacles that will kill you but then also uh eating a cyanide pill and then you can just die in a certain spot and then you're dead there and then you can get from A to B. And that was very, very cool. I, I loved that game. Very short, but short and sweet, you know? I feel like there's something very, like, confronting about the idea of you may not realize that you're a clone until you die and then you're confronted with all of these clones of yourself and you're like, well, oh. waste not. I'm yeah, going to well, use I, of this. I should probably <laughs> use this. Yeah. To the best of my abilities. Have you ever played any games that you found have uh, used death as a mechanic quite well? I would say, I mean, I, I did a piece uh, a while ago for CNET that was talking about Elden Ring specifically, which I 
I remember having a discussion with somebody who was playing right when everybody was like, oh my God, it's so impressive, blah, 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 that didn't realize that the death element was such a like forward facing element of it. They were like, yeah, of course I die. I die all the time. I was like, yeah, but do you, do you think about it? Do you think about what it's doing and the mechanics of it? Because ultimately, like, I, I remember reading an interview with uh, Miyazaki. I think it was in like the New Yorker or something. And he was talking about, um, uh, hang on, I'll see if I can find it. Okay, so, okay. The quote was, death and rebirth, trying and overcoming. We want that cycle be- to be enjoyable. In life, death is a horrible thing. In play, it can be something else. So it was going into it with, a whole perspective of, okay, well, the death element is so important to this, but people were just fucking around and killing things without thinking about it. And I think that was one of the ones that really struck me because I think about that shit. I go into it and if I see a death in a TV show, I'll be like, well, this is what I think has emotionally and strategically happened as a result of this death because that's the way that my brain works for better or worse. Um, and playing that game really kind of struck me with it at all in that capacity. But I think other than that, the, the main one would be like Spirit Farer. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. And yeah. uh, last but not least, I'd like to talk about death as a guy. As a guy. Just or a, a girl. fun little dude. A yeah. Person. Or or an animal. Yeah. And so the Reaper is a common motif in, in every form of media you know Hmm. know, like there's 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 been a movie with the grim reaper and there's been a tv show with the grim reaper and there's been a book there's been a picture just a comic book one of each yeah so it's up to you to decide which one that (laughs) is (laughs) and then others will cease to exist yeah the supreme one yeah (laughs) i'm trying to think of the the first time i ever saw the grim reaper in a form of media and I think it was a video game. No, that's mm-hmm. a lie. It was The <gasps> Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. You are such a liar. What? How could you? You're such a liar. How oh, for you? saying video games? Yes. It's because I, I misremembered because I was like, I was okay. like, oh, it, it was definitely The Sims as a child. Well, I mean, Sim Simpsons, not that far off. I'll forgive it. Exactly. They're close. Yeah. Too close. Because I saw Homer as as the Grim Reaper, mm. and that was a that was a, a, a an a- episode that stuck to my mind, right? But The mm. Sims, I remember coming face to face with the Grim Reaper in The Sims, was such a harrowing experience because usually it would be because someone in your family has died, and you have the option to like beg <laughs> for their life, which is yep. as a child, I was like, okay. <laughs> all right this is stressful because <laughs> i've got to do this stop trying to go to the toilet yep. <laughs> beg kiss your pants and say please yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> i think that was the first time i saw the grim reaper in a video game but since then i've I've got to experience quite a few hands down though i will say my favorite mm-hmm. uh game where i have played as a reaper has been death's door yeah. That is just an incredible piece of media. It's so good. The first time that I played it, I was on a red-eye flight, so I had to be quiet while I was playing mm. it. 
And I was getting so frustrated because again, I'm not good at games. So it took me a while. And every single time that I would die, I'd be like, and I'd have to like really push that urge down so as not to disturb the very many sleeping people surrounding me on this plane. And it was hard. It was very hard to do that, especially because then when I would finally succeed, I, I couldn't celebrate in the manner of which I would normally do, which is to yell really loudly, fuck yes, and then just move on with my life. Yeah. I totally get that. I totally get that. I uh, I was bad at it. I was bad <laughs> at it. But I got good eventually, and every time I did well, I felt like I was really good at video games, and that felt good, you know. And you was deserve it, that. Have you, have you, do you have a certain game that comes to mind when you think of death, the guy? The guy? I mean, I, I feel like there are a few examples. I mean, the, the immediate ones that come to mind for me are things like Grim Fandango, mm. um, even Little Reaper, which is an mm. indie game. It's a platformer where you play as like a really, really little Grim named Ollie. It's so cute. He has like anime eyes. Um, and then one that I really like because it's a, it's just a different way. And it also explores one of my favorite kind of historical representations of death is Felix the Reaper. Mm. Have you heard of Felix? Felix, yeah. my good bud. Yeah. I um, I really love Felix the Reaper. So, uh, I mean, for context, if anybody hasn't played Felix the Reaper, it's a, it's a 3D puzzle game and you play as this bureaucrat, basically. There's a lot of bureaucracy when it comes mm. to representations of death. I don't know. I guess we're saying like bureaucracy, bad, business, bad, all of that kind of shit. But... <laughs> Sure. You play as Felix and you are in love with somebody from the Ministry of Life while you work in the Ministry of Death. So you go around and have to do all of these, like, set up these situations to kill people because that's your job. But the thing that I really love about that game so much is it was inspired by a historical concept called Dance Macabre. Have you ever heard of Dance Macabre? It sounds really much better in French. Um, (laughs) Basically, it was like, it's a late Middle Ages, I think like 13th or 14th century allegorical thing that was happening in art and poems and stuff like that, where it was talking about the universality of death and depicting that by having everybody dancing with skeletons, which is A, great, but because you'd have like, you'd have a depiction of the Pope dancing with skeletons because everyone dies, even the Pope. Um, Mm. But... The reason that it's inspired by that is because every move that Felix makes is just him having a bit of a boogie. Like he has his headphones on. So you're like making him break dance his way to cause your accidental death. And it's just a really amazing thing. And like the the concept dance macabre has been something that has kind of ended up in a lot of modern art in general without people necessarily realizing that that's what it is. And like, there's a, I mean, okay, here's an example for you. There is a piece of music. It's like an orchestral, uh, I think it's called a tone poem or something like that. I don't really, Mm. I'm not an orchestra gal. And it's called Dance Macabre. And that piece of music is used in so many things that it's in Shrek the Third. (laughs) And so you you can essentially draw a straight line from medieval representations of death to dancing is a sin to footloose to 
Shrek the Third, and now Felix the Reaper. And I just fucking love that. (laughs) That is amazing. That's beautiful. And that is also all the time we've got. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Steph. How can can people find your shit? Well, on most social media, I am simply just my name, which is at Steph Panacasio, uh, spelt like window pane Casio watch for people cool. who are confused. I have to say that every time I'm on the phone and somebody's like, what? Um, and then if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, it is Patreon, Tell the Bees, and I would love to see that. I, we talk about every, I say we as if it's more than just me. I, I talk about at length all of the different factors around death, including like the cultural, the ritual, and also like the scientific. If you want to know what what will actually happen to you when you die, I'm your gal. Yeah, awesome. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, can you give us a little, uh, uh, a little, I guess, sneak peek? What happens after I die? I'm scared. Well. It, it will, it'll really depend on where you die, first of all, because environmental factors are a significant uh, change for it. But generally speaking, I'm sure you would have heard of rigor mortis. Rick and Morty, yeah. Where, yeah, Rick and Morty, yeah. You'll yeah. become that, absolutely. Pickle Rick time. Um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> basically uh, rigor mortis uh, and uh, assorted other mortises, so you have palomorgus, algomortis, those are basically the signifiers of death. So it'll just be different chemical changes that happen in your body. So over the course of like 72 hours or so, you will uh, essentially your blood will drain to wherever gravity is at its lowest. So if you're lying on your tummy, then the front of your body will be a little bit more purple and the back will be a little bit more pale. You'll be a bit stiff because of the rigor mortis. There's just a whole lot of like really obvious visual factors that comes in and you'll just be really bloody cold. But... You will not have to worry about any of it because you'll be dead and it'll be fine. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fine. It's, it's honestly so fine. The more you know. Hmm. And a big thank you to you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing, why not give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using? But yet, why not give us a nice little review? We've got one review here from Devin4991 who said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that rocks. So if you're like, it says it all. It says it all. So if you're liking (laughs) what you're hearing, give us a nice little review, just like Devin. And if you really like what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more, consider supporting Back Pocket over on Patreon, where you can get access to our lovely Discord full of all sorts of buds. And if you support us at a certain tier, you can even get access to more audio content like this with a bonus ep every week on the Patreon. You can also find us on Twitch, where we've got our main live show every Thursday from 7pm AEST, and on TikTok, where we are constantly posting very good stuff for you to cast your big, beautiful eyes on. And there's also the socials, a la X and whatever and whatnot, which you're also welcome to get around, but, you know, TikTok's where we're at, and Twitch and uh, podcast stuff. So, once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and as my rotting corpse would say, (laughs) bye! Yeah, as Devin would say. Yeah! (laughs) 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.